Horror in the House of Salons, here to save the day. Vamps and zombies, ghosts and werewolves, make them go away. Let's talk about your favorite movies, have some laughs and fun. Then when you're scared of deep, dark shadows, you won't need to run. Morning is coming, there's nothing more to fear. You can come out to play. Brian and Jamie, remember, are always here. And that's all there is to say. There's an odd, unexplainable phenomenon haunting Pizza Hut. Is it another worldly spirit compelling these people to eat their pizza the wrong way? No, it's new stuffed crust pizza with a ring of cheese baked in the edge of a totally new thinner crust. And with a large just $9.99, every living person will be eating it the wrong way crust first. Hey, look, I'm eating like a fleshy too. <laughs> and even some not so living. You love the stuff we made of Pizza Hut. fans and welcome to another episode of Halloween in the House of Salmons. I am Jamie and with me as always is Brian. Boo! Yeah! <laughs> gotcha! You got me. <laughs> so this is going to be our second Halloween episode. Yes it is. <laughs> and uh, in this episode we're going to be talking about the next eight films that we watched for the Halloween season which of course is what we found on Halloween. All found footage or laptop or or Mockumentary, mockumentary or, or whatever, anything that falls into that, you know, generous category. Uh, also, uh, just like on the last episode, there are going to, there's going to be some music and some vintage commercials that I dug up and, you know, fun stuff like that. But I do have something special. What's A that? special request from our lovely listener, Debbie. And she has sent us a message that says, Hi, I have another question or little Halloween topic. It would be fun to hear you and Brian talk about what costumes you had as a kid or adults as well that you wore trick-or-treating or to parties. For example, were they always horror-related? I can't imagine you dressing as a Disney princess. Well, I did, in fact, dress as a Disney princess quite a few times. I don't think she was talking to you oh, with that, but... Fine. <laughs> uh, but why don't you start? Tell us about some of your Halloween costumes, the more memorable ones, the ones that stick out to you. As a kid, we would do the buy a costume from somewhere, the cheap ones with the little plastic face and a rubber band in the back, and they would often have like a plastic poncho type thing that you'd put on, mm-hmm. and you know, those were okay as a kid, but when I started becoming a teenager, I probably was already a teenager, I found my love for zombies. I was going to say, I've seen a picture of you when you were like 13 dressed as a zombie, and you had a lot of hair. Well, yes, I did. (laughs) Before I started losing my hair, goddammit, in my teens and early 20s, I was a a long hair reprobate. Yeah, so I started doing zombie stuff at an early age, and, you know, that's always, it's kind of easy. I mean, to do a good job at it, you got to take some work. But, you know, you just got to mess your face up, put on a bunch of scar makeup or something, splash blood around. But this one time I really did go above and beyond, and I I think I did a really good job. First off, I took a knife, a kitchen knife. I broke it in half, and I stuck it through my body with a cor- coat hanger. You know, kind of like that yeah, arrow yeah, like in the, the head arrow thing. Yeah, the head thing. Yeah. Except I had it going through the middle of my body. 
and I was either too young or just too stupid to realize probably having a blade of a real knife sticking out of your chest ain't the safest thing to do. Not for you or anybody you might bump into, but whatever, I did it. Uh, I had a pair of handcuffs, and I had a severed arm from somewhere, so I handcuffed the severed arm to me, looking like I ripped off somebody's arm to get away. Uh, I did my face all up, and it was all, you know, green and bloody and all that. But the thing I really liked is I took a pair of my mom's old pantyhose, and I stuffed it with... I think it was newspaper or something. And then I bunched it up in a bunch of places and tied knots into it. And then I just poured blood all over it. Really just saturated it. And then I had it coming out of my gut. So it looked like intestines. Nice. And I had one piece dangling down. Uh, it wasn't dragging behind me, but it was past my knees. And anyways, it looked really good. And I actually won the costume contest that time. It was at some party, I forget exactly where. It might even have been a school party, which again, shows you how badass schools were back then, where I could walk in with a knife sticking out of me, and nobody cared. Nowadays, they would call the SWAT team in and stuff. That's probably my favorite costume that I did myself. I wish I could see pictures of that, because it sounds really good. I think I have some, or my mom still has some somewhere. But yeah, I've never found them. I mean, this was before digital cameras or anything like that, so... All the pictures have to be actual photographs. Well, yeah, because we're old. Yeah. To address the Disney princess thing, I actually did dress as a princess one time. I knew it. It was not a Disney princess. It wasn't anyone specific. But, and the whole reason was because my mother made me repurpose my Easter dress from the year before for Halloween to save money. And I was in the second grade. And so I had to go as a princess just because I was wearing my, like, little fancy Easter dress. Now, the funny thing that I remember about that year at school was that... Do kids still get to dress up at school? I don't even know. I don't I even remember know. there was a time back in the early 2000s or so when they weren't allowing kids to, at least where I was from. But I don't know if they if that passed or... But anyway, we would dress up and... Everyone would, we would do like a little Halloween, Halloween parade, you know, where everybody would come out of their classrooms and walk the halls or whatever, and then you'd trick-or-treat from classroom to classroom. But the little boy, Martin, who sat behind me... Martin! Oh my God, I just thought of something hilarious. I never put it together before, and you're going to see why it's funny in two seconds. The little boy, Martin, that sat behind me dressed as Dracula. So I had a boy dressed as a ah. vampire whose name was Martin sitting behind me. That is awesome. But anyway, all day long, he kept trying to bite me on the neck. <laughs> and he would come up and go, I want to drink your blood. And he would, <laughs> he would keep trying to bite me on the neck. Now, that would probably land him in suspension nowadays. But, oh, I'm sure it would. Uh, I just, it was hilarious. And I have just always remembered that. Like, I'm just like, I would just bat him away. I'm like, leave me alone, you know. And he's just. He's just constantly, all day long, all day long. That was his goal. But I thought that was funny. Let's see. I mean, I've done a lot of costumes over the years. Most of the ones I've had, I've made myself. I want to say that I can remember I've only ever had one store-bought costume, and that was my first grade costume, which I've mentioned before on the show, where I dressed as a werewolf. Mm. And I was so excited about that costume. But I think... 
I, I, yeah, I want to say every other year I have made my costume. I might have bought props, you know, or something like that. But for the most part, they've been made most of the time horror-related, but not always. Um, I did one where I dressed as the Big Bad Wolf from Little Red Riding Hood. And basically, I just got a nightgown, like a granny nightgown, and a werewolf mask, which we still have in the library. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I got some glasses, and I got a, a, um, a shower cap, like the satin kind, and put it uh, on like the a werewolf. sleep cap, yeah, yeah. and I put it on the werewolf head. It's and still on the there. Out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I always loved that costume because it was very simple, but I thought it was very effective. Let's see. I have been... <laughs> well, one costume that I'm actually going to do again this year for work, oh, um, yeah. but I'm working at a different place and it's been years since I've done it and, I've, and I'm doing it differently than I did originally, but I'm going to be a gum on, I'm going to be a piece of gum under a table. And that basically involves me wearing pink, like head to toe footed pajamas. And then I'm making a table out of a pizza box and some paper towel rolls for legs. And then I put some cloth over the top as a tablecloth. And then I stick like a little tea set to the top, you know, and things like that. And I try to keep it, when, for my work costumes, I try to keep it not bloody or whatever just because I do still have to. Yeah. Although where I work now, they wouldn't care. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, one year I went as a Sims character. <laughs> at work and that was really fun did you have the little diamond over your head i did yeah <laughs> i made the diamond out of green fun foam and i stuck it to a headband like on a stick and then had it like hovering above my head and i would walk around talking in simlish everybody didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> but my roommate also dressed as a sim that year so at our halloween party we were both sims walking around and it was uh, that was fun that was a long time ago um i have I mean, there's so many different ones. Oh, one of my favorite ones was the couple's costume we did at our Halloween party when I dressed as Reagan from The Exorcist. And I was the sassy priest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that year, um, I actually used the same nightgown that I used for my Big Bad Wolf costume, only I poured, like I bought a can of actual pea soup and poured <laughs> it down the front. That was kind of gross because it got all crunchy. Mm-hmm. But... That was pretty good. I spent a lot of time doing my makeup that year, and I had, like, the little strips of cloth from where I'd, you know, broken free of the bedposts. And I thought that was pretty decent, and you still have that priest outfit. Yep. Like that. I sometimes rock it every once in a while. <laughs> uh, what about yours? It? Oh, I was, uh, I've done a lot of the same costume. As you know, for when we go out to eat, I'm a creature of repetition. If I find something I like, I tend to stick to it. So as a kid, I was Darth Vader a lot because I love Star Wars and I, he was the best thing about Star Wars to me. So there you go. As a teen, I was mostly zombies, but I was also Jason a few times because I had the hockey mask and all the, you know, different bloody items of murder. You were Jason last year when we were answering oh, yeah. the door for trick-or-treaters. I guess that counts. <laughs> it's just... uh. I don't know. Mostly zombies, Jason, and Darth Vader. Okay, yeah, I try. I don't to think I've up. ever been anything nice. I don't think I've ever been anything cute. I've oh. always been something messed up. 
I was or something dark. I a dollar guess. bill one time, <laughs> and I made that out of uh, four pieces of poster board. I had two lengthwise attached for the front, two lengthwise attached for the back, and then I drew the front of the dollar bill on the front part and the back of the dollar bill on the back part. And there was a pretty kick-ass postage stamp costume that I made that I talked about on Cut to the Chase that um, that episode should be coming out soon. And it, I was a Gone with the Wind postage stamp. The problem with that one was that I really wanted authenticity, so I used pinking shears to trim the outside of the poster board, which then proceeded to saw into my thighs <laughs> as I was walking that night. And I just, my thighs were all bloody by the time I got home. So that kind of sucked. I've been a junkie. I, just because it was easy. I've, there was one year when I wasn't planning to do anything. And then at the last minute we decided to do something. So I ended up being a gypsy. Uh, I have been a Greek goddess. <laughs> That started out, I was just going to be a ghost, and I had I bought a big, like a white sheet, and I was just going to be a traditional ghost, because I've never done that, and I thought it would be fun. And then I ended up at the last minute changing it into a toga, just because we were going to be going downtown, and I thought it might be, like, a pain in the ass to drink if I had a ghost costume. Mm. You know, one of these days I would like to do that, because you know what I've always liked? Whenever you watch uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, they all have... The ghost costume on, but then they have masks like those mm -hmm. plastic masks over it. It's like Halloween and three. It's so exactly, and it's super simple. But I always just thought it was really cute, and I, I always wanted to do that. Like I'm just gonna get it, wear a sheet, and then put a mask over the sheet, and you know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody will get it, but I just think it'd be funny. So I'm trying to think if there was anything good that I'm missing. One year I was a <laughs> I was a board housewife, which meant that I was wearing negligee and walking. <laughs> um, and a friend of mine dressed up as the cable guy. <laughs> it wasn't we weren't a couple, but it just we just thought it would be funny. Yeah, I don't know. Those are the ones that stick out to me. I'm, there obviously have been more than that because I am in my forties, so I've had quite a few costumes, but. Those are the ones that are sticking out to me right now. Uh, anything else for you? No, like I said, it was mostly repetition. All right. Well, thank you so much, Debbie, for asking the question. As always, we appreciate you. I hope that uh, I hope that that was a satisfactory answer, and we appreciate you always chiming in and asking stuff like that because it gives us something to talk about. So if anybody wants to drop some of their favorite Halloween costumes or even photos down in the group, uh, you know, feel free to do so. I would love to see what everybody else does. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll head into our movies. This Halloween, Blockbuster Video has a special treat for your whole family. <laughs> You can take home any of these great Halloween classics for just $7.99. Or rent two movies and get them for $3.99. Now, if that's not a reason to scream, what is? Make it a blockbuster fright.
Here she comes now. And she looks so... so... horrible! Here comes the movie discussion portion of our show. Brian, why don't you start us off? What was our ninth movie this year? Okay, number nine was Lake Mungo from 2008. This is an Australian film. It's mockumentary with a little bit of found footage, but it's mostly set as a documentary about this girl who 
died and how the family tried to deal with her death. And there is some spookiness and hauntings going on pretty much from the start. But then as the documentary goes, it starts to dispel some of that and you start to get real world reasons of why she was acting so strange and why certain things happened. So it seems very real and it's done very well. But the ending is excellent, in my opinion. Yeah. It comes back around to go back into supernatural territory, and I think it's done so well. And it's actually quite sad at the very, very oh, end. Oh, it makes me cry. It does. It is very sad. But it also is effectively scary. There yes. are several bits in this film that work really well. And the first time I saw it specifically... The scene where the brother is showing the photo, you know, how he was doing the the photos of the backyard mm -hmm. and then in one of them suddenly his dead sister is in the photo. That freaked me out the first time I saw the movie. I thought it was done really well. This whole thing is very subtle. Yeah. They do a good job of showing this thing and, ooh, it's spooky. And then they come back and they try to dispel it. Oh, this is what happened. You know, it was fake and bar 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 bar. And then they come back around a third time, or second time, I should say, and it's like, no, it could be real, and while you're looking over here, you didn't notice this thing over here. And I love when movies do that. I love when movies successfully misdirect me. Or they show stuff, and you like, a uh, classic example is always Deep Red, the whole woman in the hallway, mm -hmm. where they actually do show it, but... You don't realize it or recognize it, or you probably didn't, until the end when they take the time to show you, see, she was there all along. Woo! So I love that, when a film can get away with that and do it successfully. Yeah, this film also has a lot of heart. Uh, I like the way that they explore grief, and we get the tidbits about the mom and, and about how she would go on these walks at night because she couldn't sleep. And she would end up just wandering into other people's homes. Yeah. You know, but, and that's kind of creepy to think about somebody just wandering into your home in the middle of the night. But she didn't mean anything by it. She wasn't there to steal anything or hurt anyone. She just, even though you don't want anybody doing that in your home, it's kind of touching to think that, you know, she just wanted to be somewhere else for a while, you know, to... Get away from to, to see somebody else's life. And that's really heartbreaking. And again, I think it's done very well as far as being realistic. This seems like it could be a Netflix doc. I oh, absolutely. It, it is 100% realistic. It's told very well and all the actors do a good job. But it's even set up like it where they give you one premise and then they begin to explore it. But then, all of a sudden, there's a shocking surprise, like with the neighbors. Yeah. And, you know, it suddenly veers off, oh, maybe this was going on. And there's like a whole expose on what the neighbors were doing and where they are now. And this is why somebody was acting, you know, sus, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> but then, again, like I said, it, it comes back around again. So I think this movie is expertly done. I think it's very effective as both a mockumentary to draw you in and, you know, play on the idea of realism. But it's also a very good horror movie as it is spooky and sad and just weird at times. Yeah. 
I'm glad you mentioned the Netflix thing because that's what I love about Netflix documentaries is they always start off one yes. way and then by the time you get to the end it's something totally You got to have that surprise. You got to have that aha moment. Which is why it frustrates me whenever people say, "Well, I watched the first episode and then I stopped." You know, no. it was like, "No, you what, do you not get the formula by now? <laughs> you got to push past that. You know, it's going to start out mundane, but then just give it a minute. It gets interesting." Uh, Savage Land does that really well. Also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this one, I love it. Uh, I think we both give it a five, don't we? We do. We give it a five out of five. Highly deserved. Uh, Next up is Wreck from 2007. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what this movie is. They should. If you don't, then you need to rectify that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a Spanish film in which we follow a news crew that is doing a show called While You Were Sleeping where they basically hang out with people who do overnight jobs so you'll know what goes on, you know, while you're sleeping. And in this particular episode, they go to a fire station. And the first bit of it, you know, they're she's playing basketball with the fire player, fire players with the Fires. firemen. <laughs> she is uh, having meals, you know, they go through and they show her all the different parts of the fire station. And, you know, she tries on the uniform and you know just your little fun stuff standard fluff news exactly and she wasn't expecting to be doing anything more than that that night but then they get a call and the call that they get leads them to a high-rise apartment building that once it's not really a high-rise is it i mean there's a couple stories stories there's a couple stories but i i don't know if i'd call it a high-rise well that's just how we always referred to them, like, in my apartment building, it was called the high-rise, and we had three floors, so. <laughs> yeah, but that was it's Georgia. It's just anything They're on top of one another. A little bit another. different down there. Shut up. <laughs> no, we had four floors. Sorry. Woo, four! It's a skyscraper. <laughs> if it's anything more than, like, a two-level, that's just what we call it. I'm not using a specific definition it's just just, a fucking apartment building it seems odd to me but continue whatever (laughs) so once they get inside uh they were responding to an attack by someone and then once they get inside shit gets locked down the health department people show up or who like yeah kind of of the biohazard the biohazard they show up they lock the shit down. And they wrap the whole building in plastic. In, yeah, and then they're <laughs> trapped inside because there's a contagion. And it's basically, you know, it's a zombie movie. And the whole thing plays out through the cameraman's camera. And it's really, really, really effective in that it feels like you're in a haunted house. Like in a, a haunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just going through a haunt. There, especially at the end when everything just goes to shit. And, you know, you've got the one woman who's handcuffed to the banister and she That's turns awesome. and she's like reaching out at yeah. him and they're running upstairs and going through apartments and then, you know, they I get love that to scene the... where she is handcuffed to the banister before she becomes a zombie. And she's like, let me out, let me out, they're coming. And yeah, the zombies are all beating down the door and the guys are like, they're trying to do it, but they're messing up. So they're like, sorry. And they run. <laughs> I mean, and leave her to her know? fate. Yeah. I mean, there ain't much they could do, but that's just awesome. But we get... What I like about this is that we get 
to talk to all the different residents in the building. And there are some people that you like, some people you don't like, you know, just like there are some people who are nice and you're rooting for them. And there are some people who are assholes, just like in real life. And then the shit hits the fan at the end and everything just, it just kicks into high gear. It's really exciting. It's really fun. The ending is what makes this movie for me. If it wasn't, if it didn't have this ending, it'd still be a good, fun movie. Like the American remake, Quarantine, where it's pretty much beat for beat the same movie up until the end. They just have an ending and it, you know, the end and it's, eh, it's okay. But this original one, it totally takes a left turn. Mm -hmm. It suddenly gives you a whole new perspective. Because the idea up until then is this is a virus and it's spread and it's some sort of mutated form of rabies, they think. So, you know, it's very much a technological viral zombie story. And so these people aren't even, I don't even know if they're literal zombies they're just people who are like the infected from 28 Days Later or something. But at the very end of this movie, the original, Wreck, it suddenly just veers off and everything you knew about this is now gone. And you have to deal with this whole new aspect. And for me, that really works. No, I definitely think it works. And you don't see it coming the no. first time you see it. And uh, it's like nothing I had ever seen before. So it was very effective. Plus the main bad guy at the, well, it's a girl, but <laughs> it's actually a guy that's playing the part. But the main baddie at the end is one of the most mm -hmm. terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. And I just, I adore it. I watched this film the very first time I saw it, I was by myself and I, it was one of those where I was constantly looking over my shoulder and every little noise was freaking me out. So yeah, I love this film. I've loved it from, from the first time I saw it. It has three sequels. I always forget about the third one. We actually have Wreck 2 later on and for this marathon. Wreck 3 I was never a fan of. And I don't know why. It just didn't do anything for me. Well, it's a weird hybrid of like found footage regular movie it, it, it's it just has a whole it's very bloody and you have a lot of gory set pieces you know oh, wait at isn't the there's actually i think there might be four of these yeah i said three sequels oh okay then yeah the third one i think is That's that the, the one, one that's set the in the wedding yeah i actually like that one we have wreck I like one it. two it's three just, it's just very different we don't have wreck four the one on a ship yeah. That's the one I didn't care for. No, and which is a shame because they actually bring Angela back yeah. for the fourth one. And it, it's a little underwhelming, but, you know, what are you going to do? Regardless of all of that, the first one is a masterpiece. Yes. Up. And I think we, once again, both give it a five. Yes. Next, we went to number 11, which is Unfriended from 2014. While we've recently discovered this wasn't the first type of these films where it's all set... Again, I, I've heard them called laptop horror or desktop horror. The idea is you're looking at a computer screen during the whole runtime. So you're seeing people use different apps and different websites and all that stuff. Up until then, I thought this was the first one to do that. So it got a lot of points for being... I told you the din. 
was before Again, this. Again, I, I don't remember that. I remember the den just being a found footage flick, but maybe you're right. I just, I didn't like the den all no, that much. No, the whole much. premise of the den, no, I don't like it either, but it, a lot of people do. The whole premise of it was that, like, you're supposed to watch it on your computer to get the full effect. Okay. And I didn't really like it, though. Like, I didn't I, like the, I liked the film up until the end, and I didn't like the whole, like, what it ended up being. I thought it was, I was like, really? That's, that's what we're going well, with? I have a big problem with what I call magic computers. This idea that, oh, you know, computers can do that. I mean... You take Unfriended 2, which I really didn't like, where you suddenly get this global cabal of killers, and they can they can do anything with computers. You know, they can do this, they can do that. They can do live-action editing, and just, it's, it's bullshit. I call those movies to scare grandmas, because grandmas don't understand computers, so you can tell them, yeah, they can do this. If they want, a hacker can get in your computer, and they can animate it, and they can get a kitchen knife and stab you to death. Yeah, that's how computers work. Bullshit. Unless <laughs> you're talking about something like this where magic computers actually can happen because it's about supernatural stuff. Yeah. But even then, everything they do in Unfriended is realistic. Well, except for the whole compelling people to kill themselves. Well, I know, I know. I'm saying computer-wise. Yeah. You know, they they go, and they use actual applications. You know, she's using Google. Um, she's using even chat roulette, which I love the yeah. inclusion of that. But, I mean, yeah, everything, that helps sells this movie a lot. Because it's not like using search or using friend book or any of the stupid bullshit people do where it's like, you know what we're doing, we just can't really say what we're doing. Yeah. No, they actually use Facebook and YouTube and, you know, just everything is Google, real. Google, Spotify, everything everything you have on your computer, they have. And I love it. Uh, Gmail. Like, I, I, I just, I love how they got everybody involved in this and made it as realistic as possible as far as your computer experience. And the whole thing, of course, takes place over Skype. Uh, like, one big Skype call. But there is a supernatural element in it. And the thing I love about this film is that I think it teaches a very important lesson that people need to pay attention to and that is that things that you do yes. online do have consequences and that whole excuse we were just kidding oh we were just fooling oh it's just a prank bro that don't mean shit no not when you are affecting the real life of someone else and these are all classmates they go to the same school so the things that they do to each other have real life consequences yes. that matter and specifically in this day and age where everybody has a video camera on their phone and you can upload see that's the thing if if you were at a house party and you were fucking around you did something stupid to somebody let's say you played an embarrassing prank on them or whatever that would be one thing and it's still bad but the life expectancy of that is very brief. You're going to tell your friends. It's probably going to get around school. Maybe some people are going to laugh and point and, you know, mock the person. And none of that's good, but it's very finite. You know... Even though teenagers may not realize it at the time. No. Because when it, you're in school, you think it's the... Well, of course, but know, it's... The, your life is over. It ends. But now... You take a video of something happening, you put it up online, it's there forever. Yeah. And ever and ever. And it'll follow you around and just, there's nothing you can do about it. As Judge Millian always says on People's Court, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. 
And basically, and she's always using that as as far as like the internet goes. You yeah. know, if you say something to somebody, then that'll eventually go away or be passed down into memory. And the person, you know, may never forget what you said to them, but the moment will eventually settle down and pass. And of course, rumors persist, but when you have concrete evidence of something that's online that can haunt someone, even as far as into their work life, you know, and we see this happen every day where people get nailed for things that they did a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is a good example. I mean, because you get like six kids here. They're all high school kids, I take it. And they all get on Skype and are just, you know, having a night of talking and joking and bullshit. But all six of these kids are assholes. Yeah. I mean, there's not a good one amongst them. And we find out exactly to what extent they are assholes as the evening progresses. And Laura Barnes, the ghost in this yeah, situation, there was gets a, her revenge. There was a girl who got drunk and they did something embarrassing. And one of these shitheads filmed it and put it up on YouTube. And then everybody piled on. Oh, you're gross. Oh, you're stupid drunk horror. Oh, this over oh, that. And finally, she killed herself. Yeah. Well, because it actually, the, the it was Laura Barnes, kill yourself. It yeah. was the, the whole message they were sending, and they just kept piling it on. And even though it was funny to them, and it was just a prank to them. Just a prank, bro. She ended up committing suicide over it, which happens in real life. Yes. There was that mother, which is exceptionally psychotic. And it's probably more than one of these stories, but there was a mother whose daughter was having a fight with another young girl. So she went on, like, Facebook or something, made up a fake account, and started fucking with this girl to such an extent that she killed herself. So, yeah, that shit happens. Yeah. But in this situation, Laura Barnes comes back, and she gets her revenge in classic horror movie style. Yeah. And I really like that. I think it's it's a seamless blend of the realistic and the supernatural. And, uh, you know, they all get their comeuppance. I like that it's not just uh, she's killing them, like a slasher, just, you know, stabbing them or whatever. She is exposing them for the hypocrites and the pieces of shit they really are. And how they lie to each other so easily. Like, every breath from their body is a fucking lie. And it's just such a part of who they are, they don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Until you get this thing goes, hey, you know, remember this? Remember this? How about this? And everybody, oh, well, you know, it only happened once. And they try to come up with these different excuses. But like many excuses, it rings hollow. Well, yeah, just like an internet apology yes, rings oh hollow. You know, yeah. how many videos have you seen of people like, you know, just tears streaming down their face and they're like, I'm sorry, I'll do better. Like, I'll oh, shut you. up. You're only apologizing because you got caught doing That's something. That's what I always you say. Know? When you ever, you're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. There is a difference. Yeah, and so she causes them to fight amongst themselves and turn on each other, which I think is really brilliant mm-hmm. too. Uh, I don't know. I love this film. I know a, there are a lot of people that are fans of it, but there are also a lot of people that don't like it, and yeah. I've never understood that because I think it's really, really well done and super effective. So. Yeah, I give this one a five. And I give it a four out of five. Okay, uh, next up we have 
M. Night Shyamalan's triumphant, maybe, return to horror with The Visit from 2015. At the time. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he decided, he came back and he decided to tackle the found footage genre, and I think think he did it really well. Yeah, this is after he totally screwed the pooch with, like, The Last Airbender, The Happening, Lady in the Water. I know you like The Village. I do not. The thing about him was his ego is so massive. And he is one of the most egotistical people I've ever seen. So it was fun to watch him stumble and fall and fall into shit time and time again. So much so that his name that used to sell movies by M. Night Shyamalan, towards the end they started you know, trying to hide the fact. Like... It was almost a cloak and dagger operation about the last airbender. His name wasn't all over that. Or even before that, I mean, with, or maybe I think it was after, with After Earth. Yeah. That was a Will Smith movie. And oh yeah, M. Night Shyamalan made it. So it looked like this, all that might have humbled him. He went back to his small indie roots. He did what the smallest thing you could do is make a found footage film. And... He actually did it well. Yeah, I like this film, straight up. So do I. I like the kids. You know, you've got these two kids who... her Their mother has been estranged from her parents for as long as the kids have been alive. They have never met their grandparents. But now the mother's going to go on a cruise with her new boyfriend. And uh, this is a good opportunity for the kids to finally meet their grandparents. So she throws them on a train... And they head to meet their grandparents to spend some time at their house. And they do. They go there, and they're hanging out with them. And the daughter, the oldest of the two children, is an aspiring filmmaker. So she decides that she wants to document their stay at and turn it into a documentary. And then you've got the little brother who is an aspiring rapper. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and he's just he is hilarious to me. He's decided to do this thing rather every time he you know gets the urge to cuss, he's gonna like throw in a pop star's name, you know, which is so funny. <laughs> he stubs his toe. Oh Shania Twain <laughs> <laughs> Oh Mar- Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I it's funny. It's I think, really effective in the creep factor, you know, because... Because the parents, the grandparents, I should say, they seem nice at first, and they still are for most of it, but as the movie goes on, things get stranger and stranger until it gets very, you know, scary, very, like, outright threatening. Yeah, and we then, uh, you know, they're just, they're bizarre, you know, they start out normal, and the grandmother bakes, and, you know, all these things you would expect grandparents to do, but then little bizarre things start to happen, like, you know, the kids are under the house at one point, and then suddenly the grandmother just comes out of nowhere, just crawling at him, and, and you're like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, there are bizarre things, like the the kid, the, the little boy finds a diaper disposal area yeah. in a shed where the grandfather... Apparently poops his pants all the time and then keeps them. But it's also a pretty neat mystery, and I do like how he unfolds the mystery. Oh, yeah. So it's not just a big exposition dump at the end. It it gives you a little piece here and there and here until finally you get the whole answer. And I don't think it's anything that you're not going to see coming. You know, when you go see this film, when we saw it in the theater... 
I mean, we both. Yeah, I knew uh, kind you of. You know, knew what was coming. But overall, but it's just as, the way that he brings it forward. As I've said I like. before, I don't need a shocking, oh my god, reveal at the end. Just as long as it's told well, and if I'm enjoying a movie when they finally get to the big twist, I don't care as long as I've enjoyed the movie. Yeah. And this movie does that. It's enjoyable. It's fun. I like the characters, both the kids and the grandparents. And that's essentially the movie. Every once in a while, you might have an extra character. But by and large, it's these two kids and two old people and just how they interact with each other. Yeah. It is very small. I mean, it's a small, isolated farmhouse. So it's basically them and no one else for the most part. Yeah, so I do think that his return to horror was a successful one. Now, as of this recording, we have not seen Old yet. No, I've heard um, mixed things. I loved Split. I love Split. Split was amazing. I did not love Glass. No, I didn't either. But uh, I'm curious to see Old and, you know, to see how he did with that. But I think that The Visit was definitely a step in the right direction well, for yeah. him. And I'm glad that he came back with it, and I'm glad that it worked. And this is proof that even if somebody's track record sucks ass, as his did up until this point, they could still redeem themselves. And if they put out a good movie, I'm going to say, you know what, that's a good movie. I don't yeah. hold things against people. Look, you're only... I can only judge you on the last thing that you've yeah. done, and I will always give somebody an opportunity to do something good. Even though I wasn't happy with his last few films leading up to this, I was excited to see what he was going to bring to the table with this one, and I was not let down. No. In fact, we both gave it a four out of five. Hi. Uh, you look like you could use some breakfast. How about some Honey Nut Cheerios? It's okay, it's okay. Look, it's got real
Next, we come to lucky number 13, and it's Inner Demons from 2014. This was a movie I don't hear a lot of people talk about. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk about it. And I figured how we found it, I think it was quite by chance or mistake or something. I didn't get this in for review or anything like that. That's usually how I randomly discover decent films. I think this might have just been on some service. And we picked it by chance. You picked it. I remember you, I don't remember where we saw it, whether it was Netflix or something like that. But I remember you read it, you read it and you said, this sounds interesting. I like the premise. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Okay, that could be it. Uh, but since then, I was able to track down uh, this movie on disc, which was kind of hard to do. I, was, I don't know if they had a wide release uh, it's only on DVD, which is a shame, but at least we have it. Anyways, as for the story, it's about a TV show that kind of does those intervention type stuff. Well, it's just like Intervention, yeah, the TV show Intervention, which I used to watch religiously. I've seen one or two episodes, but that's about it. Anyways, they're going to their latest case, which is this young girl and... She's doing heroin, and she's now dressing like a goth. Oh, shocking. Her mom says she dresses in that goth manner, which <laughs> disturbs me. And before that, she was a very good girl. She was a very smart, honor student girl. She was a very good, very devout Christian. I mean, she could quote the Bible. If you just name a passage, she could tell you where it's, you know, she could give you the quote from that passage. So... She has definitely done like a whole 180 as far as personality. Now she's all dark and morose and sullen and even somewhat combative. She's often, fuck you and leave me alone. And there's one scene where the mom is filming her shooting up. And she's like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you have to do this? And the girl says, because when I don't do this, I want to slit your fucking throat. So they have an intervention and they have the TV crew there to film it and all that. And she agrees, okay, sure, I'll try it. Because at first she's like, look, you can't help me. I need to do this. But she's like, okay, I'll try it for my parents. And so they put her in a rehab. And it's while she's at rehab that you begin to discover she's actually possessed by, like, a devil, like a demon for real. And the whole idea is she was using drugs as a way to suppress it to keep it at bay, to keep it in check. So, I mean, I guess a demon couldn't do anything if it was always stoned out of its demon mind or something. So I like that idea that she's willing to pump this junk into her. She knows it's bad. She doesn't like doing it, but it's the only way she can cope with what's going on. And no one's going to believe her. No, and nobody no one does, does believe her. Except for, like, one cameraman, and through him we begin to piece the story together of how she got possessed well and the fact that she is possessed and you know he becomes an a, a true believer in her where everybody else just thinks you know they think of it as the metaphor oh her demon is drugs right you know she's fighting her own well inner demons when every time she mentions anything about it, you know, like, this is the only way I can keep my demon at bay or anything like that, then they're like, well, yeah, we understand. We've been there. That's yeah. what it's like. That's what drugs are. You know, so they keep trying to force this metaphor on her, and she can't make them believe 
And, and, you know, it makes sense because this is an unbelievable thing, you know, but she cannot make them believe that, no, this is really happening to me. This is actually what's going on. And uh, they end up sticking her in rehab and she gets into altercations with the other inhabitants of the rehab facility. And there's a scene where she just starts going off about knowing things about her, the other... Yeah, that she shouldn't know. The other addicts that she shouldn't or be able to know. But then, of course, rather than proving her point by doing that, they're they like, just, oh, oh, you she broke got into in. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, like at every turn, there is an explanation. And it's frustrating because, you know, that no one, everyone refuses to see what's actually happening. But, to, but again, like I said, it's an unbelievable situation. So that makes sense. Well, it is. It's, they did this, like a similar idea in the latest Evil Dead movie, where. Uh, the main character there, mm-hmm. I think her name was Mia. Yeah. Because she was a junkie and because she was going through withdrawal and all that, when she at first starts coming, goes, hey, look, there's something out there. There's evil shit going on. People are like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Just relax. This is all part of the process of you becoming clean. And that's what I knew here. Because as the drugs leave her body, as she begins to dry out, shit gets worse for her because the demon is waking up. And I just think that was a very smart idea. I like this movie a lot. There's a few itty-bitty parts here or there which I thought could have been stronger or better. But overall, I think it's well told. I like the actors in it. I like the special effects. Sometimes. Sometimes they're a little hokey. But overall, this is a damn good movie. It's definitely much better than nobody ever seeing it or nobody ever t- talking about it. So this is one of those films where I just think it's a damn shame most people, or more people, I guess, just don't know about it. Also, it is a straight-up clever idea. Yes. You know, because of the metaphorical ties. Yeah. You know, it's just, it is a one-to-one comparison in many ways, and I think that they do a really good job of exploring that. So, yeah, it's just a really damn good idea that I think that was executed really well on top of that. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's part of IFC's, I forget what it's called, like they're independent, well, IFC is independent, but they have like a special genre label. I know it's on the IFC. IFC Midnight? Maybe that's it, yeah. I know IFC has their own cable channel. They probably have their own streaming service now, so you could probably find it there. You can find it on disc, although it's a little bit harder to do so. But I do highly recommend it. In fact, Jamie and I give this, we both give it a 4 out of 5. Next we have The Immortal, Paranormal Activity from 2007. Now, Blair Witch is given credit for breathing life back into the found footage genre. uh, And rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. uh, After, you know, Cannibal Holocaust... But there suddenly and, wasn't a glut right. of found footage. After no, that. It, it wasn't until Paranormal Activity came out that this genre hit hard yeah. and strong. And it's because this film was made for $15,000 and it made like a gazillion dollars. Uh, and I remember I saw it in the theater three times with three separate people, uh, you know, three separate groups of people. One time I was in New York and I went to Times Square to see it. 
Which, by the way, holy shit, movie tickets are twenty four dollars. <laughs> but that was that was in two thousand seven. I don't even know how much it costs to go to a movie in Times Square born. now. But that was a packed theater, and it was hilarious because this film is um, it's often noted for being a really scary film that doesn't actually show anything. Uh, you don't see. A well, demon. Well, no, you know, that's technically see, true. The demon is never shown, but evidence of the demon. Yeah, that's is shown. what I was. You see the evidence of it happening, and this is a movie that managed to scare the shit out of me by turning on a hall light. Yeah, and to me, that is the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, for me personally, and a, because they're sleeping, and you just see the hall light go click. It's an idea <laughs> of I. Mean, you, you should be able to relate to that when you're sleeping. What the hell's going on in your house? Yeah. And if a random light was going off and on in your house, even just once, like, you wouldn't know necessarily. And that's terrifying to think that you could be in the safety of your bed and things are going on in your home and you're unaware. So I remember when I saw it, the when I saw it at Times Square, that was my first time seeing it. And like I said, the movie theater was packed. And there was one point where uh, during a quiet part of the movie... This guy had gone down to the emergency exit door and just out of nowhere, he's just like, bam, 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 (laughs) on the exit door. And the entire theater just like jumped out of their skin. It was great. Uh, Then there was a part where some guy had come with his girl and she jumps up in the middle of the movie and she's just like, that's it. I can't fucking take it anymore. And she just storms out of, she's going to storm out of the theater and he's just following behind her. But baby, baby. And I'm just like, I would have been like, fuck you. I'm going to watch the movie. But he chased after her, which I guess may have been the smartest move for him. I don't know. But uh, it was, uh, it was phenomenal. And if everyone remembers the trailers for this film, the trailers were solely mm-hmm. people reacting people's to reactions in movie theaters. And that's what sold this movie so hard is everyone seeing how everyone was jumping and screaming. And then it hit the mainstream. And that's what uh, I loved about this film was that suddenly everyone saw this movie whether you were a horror fan or not, this like hit the mainstream and it hit it hard and it made so much money. Uh, and then after that, it was just found footage, found footage, found footage, found footage. And some of them were good and some of them were not, but it definitely left an indelible mark on oh, yeah. horror. Well, my experience with this film was I actually got this as a screener, like a little literal burnt screener, with just paranormal activity wrote, wrote on it in like magic marker or something before it even came out to theaters because they were trying to hype it up. So I got to watch this at home. And I've said before, um, in order for a movie to have any chance of affecting me as far as creeping me out or scaring me, I've got to, if I'm alone, that's the best. And I don't mean to say anything about us watching movies together. It's fine. Whatever. I ruin your experience. I understand. (laughs) But I have to be alone. The room and the house has to be dark. And I just got to be alone with the film. And the film has to be something of a spiritual nature. Something of ghosts or demons or something like that. You know, as much as I love Jason and Michael and all that stuff, slashers don't scare me. Uh, Home invasion don't scare me. And, you know, that's probably the most realistic of horror movies you know zombies don't scare me nothing does but ghosts and spirits for some reason can affect me 
And even then, it's very rarely. Well, this is a movie that did affect me because it is so subtle and it's so creepy. And that's the best kind of horror for me because it gets my my mind going. You get Like, again, that, that scene about the hallway light coming on and off. That is very fucking simple. It's literally two people sleeping in a bed. You can see the door open. You can see down the hallway. And then a hallway light clicks on. And then after a little while, it clicks off. And that's it. And that's it. But that is... That gets my mind going like, oh, fuck, what's in this house with me when I'm not looking, when I'm sleeping? Mm -hmm. And so stuff like that begins to play on me. So this movie did have an effect on me. It didn't make me, you know, go screaming from the room or piss myself or anything like that. But it was creepy. It had an effect. And that's very rare for me. So when a movie does, I mean, it's why I like The Exorcist so much. That movie legit scared the piss out of me when I first watched it. Well, not legit piss, but... <laughs> One of my favorite memories of that movie, I was, you know, in my teens. Uh, I was living at home with my mom, obviously, but she was working. It was just me and her, so I was home all alone. I had it on VHS. I put it in. I had... Uh, I was sitting on a couch. I had a big bowl of popcorn. I had a blanket. I'm watching the movie. And back then, where we were living, the place was arranged in such a way that when it got windy, the wind would just come howling down and slam into the side of the house. I mean, it would make a boom sound. So I'm sitting there watching it, and it's getting right up to the let Jesus fuck you scene. And she starts doing that, and my little brain is like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? And right then... Something slammed into the house, and then I did go, wah, and popcorn went flying. <laughs> I jumped up out of the couch and <laughs> ran to my bedroom, and that was awesome. That's why I still love that movie so much, and that's why this movie I like so much, because it does, at least it did, have an effect on me. Yeah, and it's had uh, numerous sequels. Uh, let's see, Paranormal Activity 1 through 5. And the marked ones. Oh, and then Ghost Dimension. Yeah, and now they have a new one. And then coming out. they have a new one coming out, which I'm excited to see. But like I said, even though I wasn't really, I think honestly the sequels just got kind of worse as they went along. I liked the first three. I think up until then, they're I actually fun. liked the marked ones. I thought that I was didn't. an that was an interesting because it was different. Like yeah, it, you know, and I liked that one. Ghost Dimension, I didn't like it no. all. But I'm excited to see. I guess it was one through four. Than marked ones than yeah. goes to mention. Yeah, because I didn't like four. I really yeah, I didn't. Hated that I didn't ending. like four. But uh, I'm anxious to see what they're gonna do. You know, with the next one. But I think the reason that I started to not like the films is because they they got very complicated, and you know they bogged them down with a lot of story and a lot of backstory and like and it was like interweaving the stories and. What I like about the original one was its simplicity. It oh, yeah. was very simple. It's two people in a house with two some video cameras. Two people in a house. Something weird's happening. The boyfriend decides he's going to start recording things so that they can catch it on tape. And that's it. Things go from there. And one thing I really liked about that, even though a lot of people don't like Mika. I don't. <laughs> I like their relationship. Yeah. I think their relationship is very believable. 
as far as them being a couple. Yeah. And he's a bit of a dick and yeah. he and he starts he continues to push things when she begs him not to and he ends up making things worse, way worse for himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not a great character, but he's a believable character and they're a believable couple and I just I I like the whole thing. Everything about this film I love. I I do. And I think it works. And it may be one of those things that doesn't work necessarily on subsequent views. I find that it's still effective if I give it enough time between views. It's Mm -hmm. not the kind of thing that is going to work for me if I watch it, you know, repeatedly in a small period of time. Like by the time I saw it the third time in the theater, the, you know, the same things didn't scare me necessarily, but I still liked them. But, you know, watching it again after a an extended amount of time, it works again. Well, in fact, you gave it a 5 out of 5. I did. Me, I give it a 4 out of 5, which again means I really like it. Uh, it's just, the, it is really undeniable what this film did, the impact that it had. Well, no, that and is clear. I, I appreciate it for that, regardless of what has come since. It's not this movie's fault. No. We now go to the 15th movie, it's Cloverfield from 2008, and this is another movie you probably know what it is. I mean, you've probably seen it. Uh, a lot of people don't like this movie because of the... When people talk about shaky cam, this is the movie I think of, because goddamn, this cameraman is just nuts. I mean, it, it, there is more shaky cam in this movie than the next 10 found footage movies combined. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but a lot of people, like, legit do. They get physically sick from that Mm -hmm. and if that if that happens to you i feel sorry for you i had a girlfriend back in the day who was like that and she would like dry heaves from watching these movies so i mean it is a thing that happens and so whatever (laughs) i mean i feel sorry but it doesn't affect me so i can still enjoy this film and other than that i think this is a damn good film i like the idea that it takes the found footage uh, idea and does new things with it. Just like Exists was a Bigfoot, and you know, every once in a while there's other found footage films that's not just the standard ghost movie or haunting movie. This is basically Godzilla. What if Godzilla came to New York and people filmed what the hell was going on? It's not Godzilla, it's its own monster, but it's that kind of thing. It's a giant. It's a clover field. Yeah, it's a clover, I think he's called. I just call him a clover field. And, uh. That's his name. That's his name. And that's a good idea because in this day and age, everybody, like I said, does have video cameras on their phone. So if this happened, you can bet your ass there'd be a million hours of footage of people just filming what... Now, of course, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief when the monster's rampaging down the street and they're they're still filming, they're still filming. But that can be said of most found footage films. Yeah. I mean, you've got to give that to the movie... that one could seat just to have any joy with it. And I can do that with this movie, and I do enjoy it. I like the idea that it is essentially a Godzilla movie as told by the people on the ground. It's not told by other giant kaiju monsters. It's not told by the government and their tanks and planes fighting this guy. It's, no, the average people just running for their lives and what happens as they're trying to get out of the path of a giant kaiju Godzilla monster. Mm-hmm. 
Much like Blair Witch, this one also had a very involved marketing campaign. Oh, yeah. Where there, you know, was a website and they would reveal little snippets here and there and clues and people were into this shit. You know? I remember uh, originally it didn't even have a title. It was just, you know, they would show the trailer and you would see the Statue of Liberty's head go flying mm-hmm. and then it just showed a date. And that's it. And so that was like, is that what the movie's going to be called? And it wasn't eventually, you know, you found out it was Cloverfield. But for a while, that's just how little they gave you mm-hmm. about this film. And I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of lore uh, that goes along with this film that the film itself doesn't tell you. You have to do some digging, and it, it's all online, and you can you can go down this big, huge, long rabbit hole of the Cloverfield lore, which is very fascinating and very cool. And I actually was into it at the time. Uh, Patrick actually was really into it, and he was following it, So I, which also meant that I was. And... Um, you know, every time, like, there would be, like, little clues dropped or, or whatever, we'd be all over it. So I was very excited when this film came out to see the film. And I remember, at the time, I got a cl- I got a, a, a tip from someone who said that if you go to see a film like this, if you're bothered by the shakiness of the camera, if it makes you queasy, then the best place to sit is in the very back, the very last row, like, as high as you can go. And then it won't affect you as much. Hmm. I don't know if that's true because these don't these things don't bother me, so I never tried that. But yeah, it's weird how it some people. I actually knew another girl who she couldn't even play first person shooter games. Just that whole first person mm-hmm. dynamic looking would mess her up. And I don't like them, but I don't. It, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan, and it doesn't make me sick or anything. It's just that I don't. I don't like that the periphery of those is just not, I don't think it's enough and I can't see everything that's coming up on me. You know, that's why I like third person, but it doesn't make me sick. I just don't like it. I like first. I like third. It doesn't matter to me, but it was just, it was interesting that, I mean, she couldn't even play a video game. Yeah. That was just setting that kind of I wonder dynamic. if there's like a correlation between that and people who get carsick because... Well, I think it... I've, I read somewhere that it has to... It, it inner, is about their, yeah, their yeah. inner ear, their center of balance. My, their uh, brain is telling them one thing, but their body's telling them another. Like their brain is telling them, you're moving, you're running, you're jumping and all that stuff. But the body's like you're sitting here on, you know, in a seat. And for some reason, those two things like go to war with each other and that's what gets them sick. My roommate at the time, she would get very car sick if you were doing like a, a windy mountain road. You know, that would just bleh. But, and she couldn't, uh, she couldn't watch movies like this without having a problem. We went to see, she's the one who, when we went to see Blair Witch, she ended up not even really being able to see the whole movie. She had to close her eyes and <laughs> missed most of the movie because she was about to throw up. So, uh, fortunately, I am not affected by stuff like that, but I do feel sorry for people yeah. who are. I well, mean, yeah, because that's, that's a whole subgenre of films you can't enjoy. Yeah. And, I mean, this is specifically what we're doing this month. We're enjoying some of the best of these movies. Yeah. And this is one of them, yeah. I think. It's a higher budget version oh, yeah. of a found footage film. This isn't your typical, Cheap you know, kids neighbor down the, the road backyard. grabbing <laughs> a, yeah, grab your camera and run outside. This is a very well done, high budget 
version of this. You get to see the monster, which I think is done mm-hmm. really well, and all the little monsters. You know, I really like this one. I think it's exciting. And if you like kaiju movies, it's like right up your alley. I you always know? wish they would have made a sequel to this. A real sequel. Not just put Cloverfield on everything they have lying around. Which in some cases, I mean, Cloverfield Lane, that was a damn good movie. But it certainly wasn't a Cloverfield movie. In other cases, you had that Cloverfield... What was the one out in space called? Pa- uh, Paradox. Paradox. Yeah. That just kind of sucked. But... <laughs> When it came to that film, the marketing on that, which was pretty much non-existent, but what they did was they... They uh, announced they it announced on it Super Bowl Super Sunday. Bowl. Yeah. And, and they said, hey, it's available right now. Yeah, and then boom, like everybody yeah. went. And I just think that is that brilliant. Was, that was smart. That was yeah. brilliant. I mean, you're getting the biggest audience you could hope for mm-hmm. at that point. But anyway, yeah, uh, we both really like this one. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a good one. I'm sure everybody's probably seen it yeah. at this point. But. You think it's more than good. You gave it a 5 out of 5. I do, yeah. Me, once again, I'm a little bit less than you. I gave it a 4 out of 5. Okay, and the last film we're going to be talking about on this episode... Number 16. Is, yeah, is number 16. And it's the newest film uh, that we have probably seen for the whole run so far. It might be the newest film in the entire... Marathon. The entire marathon, maybe. Uh, and we just watched it for the first time yeah, yesterday. We never seen it until uh, on last the, night. On day 16. And um, this is Spree. And I think it originally came out in 2020? Yep. Okay. Yeah, um, this is Spree from 2020. Joe Carey, he's the babysitter. I, I forget what they call him, like sexy babysitter or something like that. He's from uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And he really took off in that. I mean, in fact... His character was supposed to die in the first season. But everybody liked him so much. Because everybody liked him, him he's still running around now. Yeah, so he in this is a spree driver, which just think Lyft or Uber. Yeah. And uh, he... But he's he's also a streamer. Yeah, he's an influencer. Which he doesn't have any influence. No. And that's the thing is he's he's been making videos on YouTube. Well, I don't know if it's YouTube... Or if it's more like a TikTok thing, it's it's nondescript, but yeah, yeah it's, it's well. Or. I think it's actually a combination of things because there's sometimes that it's like full screen, like laptop, and then there's sometimes when it's a vertical. So yeah. it I basically just think of all your online stuff, different ways that influencers get out there. They actually do mention Instagram mm-hmm. in here, but he basically has been doing it for a decade and has no following. He's been pouring his heart into it and nothing happens. And that is uh, that is a very common thing. And that's what I think that a lot of people fail to understand about being a YouTuber or being a TikToker or any kind of influencer is that you it takes a lot. And you have to, most of the time, you, you stumble onto something that's able to catch people's eyes or able to catch their attention. And then you can go from there. But you... You really have to have something unique. It's also worth noting that this was recently that I saw this. There was a, a study or a survey, I guess, of Gen Z, of, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, yeah. yeah. And like 70% of them said they want to be influencers. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you? I know. It just... You know, it, I mean, I and it makes perfect sense because not only do they make a shit ton of money and like, for instance, Twitch... If they get successful. That, but that's the thing. 
That's the thing is you can't just go into it and expect money to start falling from trees. And I love how this movie a, a lead. not only okay. shows this poor guy a who's a, a total schmo at it, but like everybody he pumps into is trying to do the same thing. I mean, the first guy... He and picks they're all up, more successful than him. Or, I mean, like the first guy he picks up, he's like the white nationalist, oh, racist guy. Even he's talking about going here and having a speech and all this. And then he runs into some other guy who you think is just a typical douchebag fraternity bro. And he has a following and just everybody he fucking runs into is whipping out their phone filming themselves. Well, because that's that that's kind of the way the world is yes. now, you know. And we all live our life well, we don't all I do not. Most but people But a lot of people do. Most people live their lives these days, posting every single thing they do online somewhere. And then the the golden goose is when you can get enough followers to actually net you a return on that. And like Twitch just had, they, they just got hacked and all of, all of their streamers earnings is what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was leaked. And you see just how much money these people are making. But not everybody is a ninja. Not everybody is a Pokimane. Not, you know, it's... there For everyone who is out there raking in the millions... There are thousands. There are thousands yeah. that get nothing. You know, and that's what no one wants to think about. Because everybody who does it wants, it to, wants to be successful at it. Well, it's like everybody wants to be an actor. This gives you the... It puts the power in your own hand. I mean, literally, all you need is a phone. Mm -hmm. And you need, you know, creativity, you need charisma, you need luck, you need a bunch of other factors, but technically, all you need is a phone in your hand. Or some GoPros, or whatever. So the bar of entry is very, very low. Sure. If you get lucky, if you, you know, are smart, and again, I think luck has the majority of, you know, what to do with it, but if you get your golden ticket... Yeah, you could suddenly just be making bank. In this world, there is a huge influencer, which honestly, he's that, he's the kind of guy I can't, like he's a rice gum, you know, yeah. like a, like, I, I can't, like a vlogger. I can't stand that content. It bores the crap out of me. I can't stand those people. Um, we watch a whole lot of YouTube. But the difference but, is we watch people who do creative stuff. Yeah, I mean, who actually put production in. Who And I guess there's all the people are creative, too. I don't want to take anything away from them. No, but Even if just, I don't understand them, I don't want to come off as the old guy yelling at clouds. But I never, like, Twitch. Why would you want to watch somebody play a game? I, I watch you play. And I don't get that. I'm glad you do because I can play games while you're watching me. And when you're playing, I like watching what you're doing. But that's because, I don't know, we're here. We're together. We're doing something. We're joking. We're making fun. I don't get the appeal of watching somebody else play a game on the computer somewhere. And you're just sitting there watching it like TV. Well, I mean, think about it. What do you get out of it when you watch me play something like Resident Evil? Your reaction. Exactly. Exactly. That's how PewDiePie got as big as he well, did. Yeah. You know, it was his reactions and it drew people in because it was entertaining to them. It's the lifestyle vloggers that I don't like. Yeah. You know, that are just like, hey, here we are. You know, and they're all they're talking about is, you know, some prank that they're playing, which is usually bullshit. Some, you know, 
some party that they're going to that you don't get to go to, so why the hell should you care? And all the swag that they've raked in uh, from all these people who are just begging for them to promote their brand. And I just don't personally find that entertaining. But a lot of people do because yeah. they make a whole lot of money. So, you know, you know good that. on them for, you know... Finding a way to make it work for yeah. you. But he actually knows one of these b huge influencers because he used to babysit this guy when uh, back when the he was a little kid. And he has, this poor guy has gotten this big influencer to even agree to collab with him and basically promote his channel, uh, which is called Kurt's World 96. He's gotten uh, his friend to promote his channel and hoping of in in the hopes of boosting his numbers, and he comes up with an idea called the lesson hashtag the lesson that he is going to be live streaming while he's doing his spree drives, and then he basically he just wants to go viral, and I don't think that he has, I don't think he sees like a positive end for himself. I think his entire goal is just to be somebody, just to have yeah. his name out there, and. That's realistic too. Yeah, we've seen that happen. You know, people every time who, one of those jerkwads, you know, like they post some manifesto. I was just about to say they publish their manifesto and, and they let everybody and know, and then they'll they'll have posts on 4chan that just you know, or on Reddit, and they go that one pathetic crazy. incel bitch who recorded himself in his car. Yeah, I hate women because they don't talk to me, so I'm gonna shoot people. Yeah. Wham. Fuck you. Yeah, and, and it happens. It happens, unfortunately, way more than it should. And that's kind of where Kurt is in this. And But the thing is, at the same time, he's a likable guy. Well, yeah. You know, he's funny. I feel bad for him. You know, he's trying so hard. And I guess that the thing is, he's been doing it for as long as he has, and nothing's happened, and he's finally decided to find the real Kurt. And the real Kurt is a fucking serial killer yeah. who goes around using his spree job uh, to find victims, and he streams it live while he's doing it. But it Collider called it American Psycho for the Digital Age. Honestly, and that's that very, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah it I, very I, much is that. I agree with that. Uh, there are some really fun moments here. I mean, he's killing people, but, you know, it's a horror movie, so it's fun. But um, it's not that brutal. It's not that dark. No, it's not. It's not. A lot of times you don't even see the kills. No, and I, you just said it's not that dark. And I, I agree. Like, it, it has a very lighthearted tone through most of it. Um, there's a scene where there's a guy who's a douchebag, and he just ends up just running over him with his <laughs> car, and I laughed out loud. It was There was a great scene where he's driving these people through a junkyard. And, and they're all out there with their phones, because they're getting views, Yeah, too. they're Instagramming everything they're doing. They're trying to add stuff to their Insta stories, you know, for their trip to L.A., and, and uh, he definitely gives them something to add. <laughs> In the meantime, we run into uh, uh, one big influencer who was a comedian. Mm-hmm. And another one who is a DJ who's very famous. And he tries really hard to get them to kind of... Hashtag him and, or give him a link or and something. And they won't, you know, he, he's not very successful at it. And the comedian actually ends up being a big portion of this film. Yeah. And she ends up having this bit on stage where she talks about how when she met him as her spree driver, she saw him as pathetic and sad. And it made her think about herself and the fact that she is exactly like he is. And she does this big turn where I'm done with social media until the end of the movie where she goes right back to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and which, you know what's really funny? Is that right before we watched this yesterday, I deleted Facebook and Twitter from my phone. <laughs> because I was just, I'm just, I'm, Lord. It takes a toll on you. It does. And with, like, when Malignant came out, it was just fights breaking up everywhere. When Halloween Kills came out, just fights were breaking up everywhere. And that just happened. And I'm already, I'm just, I'm done with it, you know. And so. I, that's why we've often made the joke of you're the approachable one. Because I'm not. And I don't think it's because I'm mean. I don't think I'm nasty or horrible to anybody. But I just, I kind of do my own thing. I don't engage all that much on my own. Now, if somebody reaches out to me or messages me, I will always reply. I think I'm very cordial. Social media will eat your life if you let it. It will. And I honestly, you know how I feel about it. I think that social media is directly responsible for a lot of the problems oh, yeah. that we've had as a society in the past several years. And I, I feel like if we could just find a way to pull away from it, or at the very least, just limit yourself to meaningful interactions. Um, like, I still have Messenger. My friends can still reach me. I can still talk to my friends. But I don't have to scroll through and see the constant arguing and see just the people just being petty and tearing each other but apart. You see, that's why I don't engage. I never did that. And you know... I'm... Oh, no, you don't. And he doesn't. I mean, he he has no idea what's going on, even on my own page. Like, he doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't look... Well, that's Facebook messing up, because I got you... Supposedly, I'm supposed to get notifications when you do something. Facebook never tells me. Yeah. But yeah, um, I come on, I say my piece. I'll joke around with one or two people, but that's it. I never scroll. I never... It's too much shit. It is. And as much as I like seeing the positive things that my friends post and the good things going on in their life, unfortunately, it's That's often it's often overshadowed yes. by the negativity. And so I've decided that, look, I'm not doing this. It's not on my phone. It's not on my phone. So I can't just pick up my phone and go to Facebook anymore. Uh, I will be in our group occasionally like i'll go there to post the shows and whatever and engage with our listeners you know well yeah I'm that's there. different that's what i like but, to do but other than that i had to and i may decide to 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 come back after you a while I've, I've done it before I've, <laughs> in the past i've taken like a three-month break and then you know i felt better about things and i came back for a little while but i think it's important sometimes to just pull yourself away even if for if it's for a little bit to remember that your life is not in the palm of your hand. Your life is all around you. And if you spend such a good chunk of your time focused on this piece of machinery that's in the palm of your hand, then you're missing everything that's going on in real life. That's why I like the latest David Chappelle special. And yes, I did like it. I thought it was funny as hell. But he has that line, you know, Twitter ain't real. Yeah. That's not He's real He's like, life. I don't give a fuck. Twitter's not real life. And it's not. It's not. Uh, yeah, so this movie actually has a lot to say. Uh, I found it very entertaining. I thought that Joe Carey guy, he was the best thing in it. I mean, it's literally his movie. I mean, he's in it 90%, but just he, he carries it. And he I does mean, it well. Yeah. It's hard to do, you know, it, that's a very difficult thing to do for an actor is to basically spend the majority of the time just talking to yourself. Yeah. And he does a really good job. Uh, David Arquette is also in the film. Yeah. He plays his dad. He's kind of funny. But yeah, you get to see the different types of online personalities and how they interact with the world around them and, or they don't. And yeah, I think it's very timely. I think it's entertaining. 
And I think it has a lot to say, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but mostly it was fun. It's not very scary. It's not a scary, frightening horror film. I found it enjoyable, and I found it fun, and I found it funny. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fast-paced. Yeah, it goes by quick. So, you and I both gave it a 4 out of 5. Yep. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up then for this episode. We will be back next week with... Uh, well, the last week we did eight movies. This week we did eight movies. The next two weeks will be seven movies apiece. So we'll be back next week with the next installment of our Halloween watchings. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Halloween season. I hope you're having the best time that you can and being safe about it. Remember, always check your candy, kids. That's right. But stop checking your phone so much. <laughs> visiting the house of salmons we hope to see you back very soon until then come chat with brian and me on our facebook group page at horror in the house of salmons and if you like what we do here and want to hear some bonus episodes consider being a patron at patreon.com house of salmons special thanks to rick morgan for composing our theme music